1: As the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you.
3: Hey everybody, uh, it's Tom here. I just wanted to give you a heads up that Pack Your Knives is part of the Count the Dings Network. And if you've been following the Black Lives Matter movement around the country, around the world, and you want to understand its issues and some of the voices inside that movement, I really recommend you listening to the Bomb podcast, Black Opinions Matter Monday, B-O-M-M podcast under the Count the Dings network. It's an incredible show that's been running for years talking about these issues. And two weeks ago, they had... The Atlantic's Jamel Hill, and last week they had Justin Tinsley from ESPN's The Undefeated. And I really, really recommend you listen to that show if you want to learn more about it and just have a lot of fun.
2: With that, let's get on with the show. Tom, does your food really taste better when you're happy? Because I do my best eating in a neurotic state.
3: I think I'm, I'm a really good angry eater. And you know what? Actually, I just... When I angry eat, I don't even remember any of it. So maybe, maybe I do. Maybe I do eat when I, eat best when I'm happy. Kevin, this sounds like the
2: Twinkie defense to me. This is Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnovitz, and I'm Tom Haberstroh. Tom, we are on the eve of the finale. We had our final four cooking in Parma, Italy. And Emil Romano, one of the most prolific food regions of the world. We had Parmesan. We had prosciutto. We had really, really bitchy Italian judges. We had it all. It was amazing. We had that guy,
3: Lorenzo, who is like a cup of espresso. Uh, really good English, too. The youngest, uh, the youngest Michelin-starred chef in Italy. Uh, he was a delight. And then um, this was Kevin... Your number 1 pick went down, but I am convinced more than ever that you have the winner of Top Chef on your team. Do you really? Do you I really believe really think- it. I think this episode proved beyond a reasonable doubt that when Padma Lakshmi says, "You are Top Chef," and she just basically jumps out of her skin,
2: that is a Stephanie. All right, I, Congratulations. How am I supposed to feel about the fact that our entire Conversation around the outcome of this show is now. This is a Pruder film of Padma in yep. some That's it. preview clip trying to completely dis untangle the intonation in her voice and who might she be talking to. And clearly that's not what she would say to Voltaggio. I- I'm, I'm a little concerned that our, all of our analysis and fandom and collective enthusiasm for this show has now been reduced to who is <laughs> this, this, this like, these, Kevin,
3: did they show, did they show Padma on this, on this uh, preview for next? I next don't week? know. You
2: want to know why? Cause I watched the press. Reel. You didn't. Yes, I did. I Wait watched the press version. I, I went full Vince uh, because I'm in Joshua Tree, California, and I was not going to have access to the show on Thursday night. I was able to get some that I was able to get the press, early press clip or whatever it's called. Um, did it come and, with like a, a coupon for San,
3: San Pellegrino? It did not. Or but, like Peroni? But I went you didn't to get bed any coupons? on
2: Wednesday night with full knowledge of what happened. I spoke to nobody, not even my partner. Uh, about this. So um, I uh, so I, I did not see, I have not once again well, seen this ridiculous clip that is governing all conversation about this show that I kind of got to tell you, like it makes me feel uncomfortable. Look, I'm just telling you,
3: Kevin, that when they did a preview for the next week episode, they just, the way they ended it wasn't with Padma saying, you are top chef! It was... Tom Colicchio basically saying, you know, someone has to go, you know, someone has to be crowned top chef here. You guys produce both great dishes in that very stern, serious Tom Colicchio voice. And then it was just fade to black. So they stripped that away from the trailer, which makes me even more suspicious, Kevin. That You think it was a full We tell. were right.
2: All right. So rather than talk about the meta of like, whatever it is that Padma is or is not suggesting in her in her reaction. Uh, why don't we talk about what Stephanie's doing well? She did not win uh, this week, but once again was on the t- uh, the top two, apparently a very close second. Uh, she is one of the great underdog stories in recent Top Chef history. This is somebody who, by her own admission, said, if I finish in the top ten, I was going to be ecstatic. She is somebody that neither of us – I mean, I've been on this show. though she is my pick, I thought she would – Having rewatched a lot of uh, previous Top Chef, I thought she went home unfairly, sort of uh, fell in a team competition. So I did think she was undervalued and I picked her. However, I even, by my estimation, I didn't think she had the creativity uh, to, to go this far and she is cooking up a storm. I don't want to bury the lead, which is Melissa is a juggernaut and we will talk about yeah. that shortly. But But Stephanie, as she said, she is cooking happy and the food is reflecting it. Gail Simmons. Said that this was after coming on off a week where she won, and another week where, um, you know she she did very well. That this was actually her best food, uh, in both courses. So, uh, just to to, remind our our listeners, this was easy. Use parmesan and use prosciutto, the two most famous products of Parma, Italy. Uh, Easier said than done. We all love them, but they can be salty. They're very strong. You got to do some balance. You do a first course. And a second course, first course pasta, second course we would know as an entree. She is on
3: fire. Um, She's got her confidence. She won episode eight for the first episode or first elimination challenge that she won was late in the game. And ever since then, I feel like she's been she's been just riding that high. And I know there are a lot of basketball players who generate a lot of um, a lot of confidence in themselves just by seeing the ball go into the basket. Maybe on average NBA players, there is no such thing as, as confidence or, or seeing the ball go through the net and wanting to get that confidence back. Even if you are one of these top chef finalists, or even if you are LeBron James, it is kind of nice to be validated on, on some level. So Stephanie gets that win and then has been on a little bit of a tear here being in the uh, top three twice and being a winner as well. Um, a couple episodes ago. And the the thing that stuck out to me was her decision to not do the obvious thing, which is make a really heavy meat or make a really uh, you know do a fish or a protein, a heavy protein for her secundi dish. And you keep thinking to yourself, hey, if you're in Italy, go do like the tried and true Italian, impress the Italians with some of their, you know, go-to dishes, their signature dishes. But both Melissa and Stephanie decided to go a little bit counter to that, and not even Stephanie had the had the nuts, the 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 the, the cojones, right, of, to just go into this and say, "I'm gonna make a cabbage for you," and I just think that is one of the things that Stephanie. I don't know if maybe ten episodes ago she would have. Um, had the confidence to do that dish, not even present
2: a protein in that dish, but she did, and she did a great job. Yeah, so I, I had – about halfway through the episode, I thought she was doomed for the following reasons, not because I think she's a less capable chef, but here she was in her first course. She was going to cook prosciutto, oh. which you know we had already heard, and in, 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 in almost – I thought it was perhaps a setup where I, in, back in, at the um, – whatever the, the the prosciutto not factory the smokery or whatever it's called you know hey prosciutto is meant to be eaten raw right but here she is she is going to cook the prosciutto i'm like this is just disastrous um and then on top of that as you mentioned she is going to go with a braised cabbage as a main now it did technically have protein because we're talking about prosciutto and parm and, and and she did a lovely job with that a parmesan fonduta uh she added some other elements there some chestnuts a, a puree of cabbage and turnips but to go as you said I mean, she's going up against pork. She's going up against a perfectly cooked scallop. She is going up against, you know, Voltaggio doing his delicate fish. And what mm. am I doing? A cabbage lasagna. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I am this. I I, 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 there was absolutely no way she wasn't going to go home and hey, it would be a very noble finish. She'll finish fourth higher than she anticipated, higher than any of us anticipated. And I thought her choices were at shit crazy and there she goes and she completely <laughs> pulls it off that it turns out that you know that making this ragu the prosciutto the smoke comes through it's like this lovely compliment with the fettuccine uh, and the braised cabbage they were in love with it was original she was pay- applause for her bravery and it was brave because as you mentioned this was a real risk going without a protein so again i don't want to bury the lead and we should talk about melissa as just being absolutely dominant right now but stephanie might be the best story and she she had no one had her in the final three, and and here she is, and not only just sneaking in, but but really cooking her best food over the last several weeks.
3: Yeah, and she still has the great deadpan lines of the show. She uh, when she's dipping, where she's dropping the pasta into the into the big pot, she just says "swim, my loves." And I just, I she, every time, um, every time she's on camera doing saying something, I just think she's adorable. She's great, and um. Yeah, let's get into Melissa here because Melissa um I mean, what else is there to say about her? Um, you know, she, she's six overall wins this season on an all-star season, six overall wins and three quick fire wins.
2: Yeah, and, and three straight wins. So I thought there was a very telling moment that to me captured Melissa and her dominance of this season. She's talking about to the camera when, you know, right at the moment, I think midway through the show, they're talking about how they're conceiving their dishes. And and she, you know, she says, you know, it popped in my head. XO sauce has cured meat in it, and that's prosciutto. So uh, the way I'm looking at it is we're actually seeing her brain work, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think figuring out what the challenge is essentially is one of the biggest parts of the challenge, and we've talked about this a lot, right? So you're watching her connect. Okay, they want us to work with these two elements, prosciutto and parmesan. What is it that I do? Oh, I'm somebody who can import elements of Chinese cooking into any other kind of cooking. Okay, so how do I translate this to the extent that I want to work in a Chinese element, but I need to stay true. Where is the commonality? Oh, what is prosciutto at its very root? It is cured meat. What Chinese element includes cured meat? XO sauce. Boom. Like watching that her brain work in that orderly fashion it was like it was it it was incredible I mean it is like I've said it 50 times on this show like like watching a LeBron or watching a Giannis or whatever like this is why this woman is cleaning up every single week everybody else is oh I'm inspired by this and and look it produced some great dishes there were other people who did great dishes we just talked about Stephanie but watching Melissa just say okay I'm doing the translation And by the way, I'm going to conceive something that is going to win and is going to honor the ingredients and Mm -hmm. is going to allow me to display my best traits as a cook. Like that is hard to do. And it requires a cerebral chef. It's not all inspiration. It's not all pizzazz. It's not all technique. As much as I like Baltaggio's technique, it's not all heart and soul. As much as I love Kevin's heart and soul, you know, it's combining the cerebral with the lived experience with the kind of strategic thinking like it just it's that moment it popped in my head exo sauces cured meat it was like that's the show when like, that's the show that is 17 seasons of top chef with one clip of one chef talking to the camera that is the fundamental of the show that is why she is cleaning up
3: And I think also, Kevin, a great moment for her or just a window into why she's great is when her raft, her consomme raft just split open and she didn't freak out. She just calmly decided to make another one right. and it was perfect. And maybe someone might say, oh, sh- I, don't, I don't have enough time. I got to do something else. You know, they actually uh, – sh- shouts to Magical Elves for for doing that little uh, crossover there where it was just totally juke me. I thought it was a meltdown. I thought it was going to be yeah. a meltdown. But she just calmly was like, yep, I'm just going to redo this and, and it will be good. Yeah,
2: and, 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 that, and that's, that's tough, Tom, because like making a consomme is really, really tough. Like to get that clarity, you got to put all that gunk. Like a raft is just gunk. It's just like, but then the gunk produces all these like schmutz things, like these like little (laughs) particles of meat and like the butter stuff that, you know, on the melted butter that's all like, that's not the clear kind of perfect clarified butter. And like, that's a major fuck up, right? And she's like, okay, I got it. We're down 12, four minutes to go. Okay, I'm fine. We're good. You know, I mean, just the sheer yeah. confidence through Zen, it's just, it's unreal. She's just, I, I don't know that I've ever, not since, you know, do have I like admired just a chef's absolute just poise and creativity and just like the ability to summon every good instinct you need to get through something.
3: Yeah. And I I don't know why, Kevin, did you get the sense that the Italian chefs would look at the exO sauce and be like, what? What What are you doing with, with my Italian food? Like I, I kind of got the sense of, wait, this seems like a risk. Both Stephanie and Melissa going out on a limb with their dishes and – It didn't backfire at all. I thought these Italian chefs – given what we saw in the last episode of how they like things a very certain way, very particular, I thought that they might have frowned upon these dishes. Yeah,
2: I I want to get to that when we we kind of go over Voltaggio uh, in a minute or two because I do have – I mean this was a – this is an interesting place to do a finale in the sense that like when you go to a region like this, they are not – I mean these are people who basically believe that there is no food better And it's not just like boosterism. Like, they truly believe, and they might be right, that, you know, there is no food. That is produced better in the world than in Emil Romagna. Like, like this is you know, the home of Modena. You know, the home of balsamic vinegar, the home of Parma. I mean, like, like this is the world's great cooking. So don't come in here with your modern little takes. We're not interested in mm-hmm. your aerated bullshit. We're not interested in your foam. We're not interested we've in. We've got basements
3: tr- with four hundred year old <laughs> hands. Right, just hanging like from just
2: the- <laughs> fuck off. Like you and your cute yeah. little, your little circus seal tricks of you know whatever it is you think you need you can do to a plate you're going to somehow obscure these beautiful ingredients fuck off and that is kind of yeah. the posture of these italian judges and i admire it to a certain extent i mean god if you've ever i mean i've had some of my best meals in the world there and and but but it is it does put something and i, and I kind of want to I mean, this is a good segue into voltagio yeah because you know he comes with a lot of technical prowess in some ways you know he reminds me of, you know, Adrian kind of rode technique to the finale a couple seasons ago, right? I mean, I, I think there's something to be said for a really good technical chef late in the competition, and the truth of the matter is, is Brian made the best pasta of the day when you want to just, not not the best pasta dish, but the best pasta, and it might very well have saved him, Tom Haberstroh. Mm, it, it did. It might very well have saved him, but, you know, he comes out with this kind of, you know, he he, he does this chatara pasta with this lovely little egg yolk, and he aerates the parmesan right which is a different way to do it and i've seen stuff like that and it's kind of creative it looks really cool um and they absolutely lacerated him
3: Mm Mm-hmm. and and kevin i feel for brian voltaggio and here's why i'm greek i don't speak greek i don't have just greek culture just dripping off of me um even though my my grandfather is like from Greece, from Areopoli, Greece, the Mani Peninsula. And I never knew him. He died when my father was two years old. And so a lot of like the, the language, the the um, just basically the culture, the traditions of my family on the Greek side, I didn't get exposed to a lot of that as, as a kid. And so when I go to Greece and they say, you know, when they speak to me, I don't know how to respond and I don't know much Greek at all to, to come back to them with. And it, you get a kind of ashamed, shame. You get like a little embarrassed. So I really feel from Brian Voltage on this trip to Italy where, when uh, I, I just got a kick out of this, when um, Kevin Gillespie says, I'm going to do pasta, pasta, Fagioli. And Brian goes, a pasta, a Fagioli. And I'm sitting here like, wait, that's the Italian guy mocking the Italian accent. And I'm sitting here like, oh man, I feel so bad. And then later in the episode, he says, Gracias. Did you catch that? When they when they they're delivered food in front of them uh at that in that basement, that cellar, that little dungeon that Melissa said they were gonna get murdered with by axe murders. Like he got served a dish and he and he looks at the or looks at the chef and says gracias. And I'm sitting here like, oh no, this is. I, I get I'm getting stressed out just being Brian Voltaggio in what seems to be a home game for him. But in many ways, I think he's. Uh, Trying to compensate for the fact that he doesn't speak Italian or doesn't have those roots deeply uh, apparent. And I I fell for him on – I could sense the stress in him is that he really wanted to prove his Italian roots. But there are so many moments in this episode where I felt like he wasn't comfortable. Uh,
2: One of the things I really like about Top Chef is, is that it invites empathy. Like I love the self-doubting chefs. Like I mean, I loved Adrian, kind of watching that arc of a of a chef kind of coming into their own. Stephanie's that that character in, yeah. in this season. Um, I don't know that I've ever had more empathy for a chef at the judges' table that I did for Voltaggio when Padma conveys to him that there are a bunch of Italian judges uh. and Michelin star chefs. The best chefs in Italy are sitting around a table talking about how he cooks with no heart and passion. And um, look, they're critics, and they have earned their right to critique. They're, they're they were explicitly brought on the show to critique. I think there is nothing wrong than getting a point You know, you're a reviewer. I mean, part of there's some. I love reading a great takedown of a bad movie. You know, as much as anybody else. Um, I I recoiled, and Ugh. I. Because I just like – like Tom, let's just – Do you think they piled pay- on to him? Yeah. And, and let, me, let me give you kind of an example. Let's say – go back to 2010, 2011. Tom Haberstroh is what? 24 or 25. Let's say – I don't know. Like after the first season of Heat Index at ESPN, you're still this young writer. You've only had one year of kind of official on the payroll experience uh, as a writer. You do the top sports writer reality show, right? And uh, here's the challenge, right? You're going to write – a feature that captures uh, an element of sport that just speaks to your whatever it is, right? And then you get to the judges' table, and there's I don't know, there's like Wright Thompson, there's like Bill James, there's like there's uh you know you you pick whoever you want, you know like, yeah, like Peter Gammons or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's Peter yeah. Gammons. There there's some of the great uh, Frank Deford. Yep, yep, and you just like Frank Deford, and, and then like you know, uh, and I, I just. And they get up there and they say, you know, Tom, I read your piece. You wrote it with no heart, no passion. It's like you felt like – can you imagine just – I mean, again, the the people you admire most who have mastered the forms and the genres you are trying to perfect in your own work. And these people – and by the way, knowing that you put your heart and soul and knowing that maybe, okay, you're not – You know, Tom Haberstroh might not be an emotional writer. Tom is Haberstroh is is somebody who loves empiricism and and whatever. Mm. And then they, but but by the way, that's who you are. It's an expression of your identity, right? Like how you write is how you write. And then they basically, Tom, tell you if not that you're full of shit, that you're just you're writing with no passion and no heart. Like I just can't imagine that. I know, I know.
3: And you know what that is also there that kind of irks me a little bit, Kevin, is that that seems like a subjective thing that you didn't cook with passion or heart. That seems like a very subjective thing, which makes me wonder, do you think that these Italian chefs like... Had a little bit of a, a a bias against Voltaggio simply because they knew that he was had an Italian background and he was giving him addition, therefore they were they were judging him at a harder harsher scale because I don't know if they would have said the same thing to Melissa for example I just don't maybe maybe I'm wrong or off base but I, I it makes me wonder is they were a little bit overly critical or at least they had a he had a higher bar to clear. Because of the fact that his last name is Voltaccio. I don't,
2: I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was that as much as it was kind of where I was talking about earlier is I do think there is a collective pride.
0: Hello, listener. Guess who's back. It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turn podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about butcher box. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com Dings and use code Dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order.
2: That. You know what? All those cute little tricks that these american chefs are learning at culinary school and their stupid foams and their fucking you know bringing mm-hmm. out tanks of liquid nitrogen and you know trying to turn uh, oh they think you know we've been doing pesto here for 800 years and oh he's going to puree it down and try because it looks cute on a plate when it's that rather than just a gob of like chunky fucking peanut butter that's green you know like 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 I think they have a disdain for a certain school of modern cuisine that Valtaggio personifies Mm. and where these peripheral or ancillary features are more important than what they often – as is often said on Top Chef, quote, honoring the ingredient or honoring the tradition. They will do modern. Like the best meal I've ever had was in Alba, Italy up in the Piedmont at a place called Piazza Duomo. And like it actually is – and it's true. I went through the Voto album for the first time in five years today to look at the 10 dishes I was served. And it does actually look very much like Melissa's food because it is modern in the sense that it's not just a big hunk of – this isn't rustic food. It's presented in a Mm. modern way, but it never gets away from the pure essence. Like you can still see – like, like it was that that kind of Melissa's modernism because Melissa's a very modern cook. When you look at those plates, those are modern. This is not homey cooking. That Bordeaux, um, you know, like the, those those ravioli or are, are what you know, her pasta is very much like it, it, it is modern in aesthetic, right? The brodo is perfectly clarified. It look, but it looks clean and modern. Yet it still captures the ep- essence of the Italian cooking. His is more of a departure. His is a different. His brand of cooking is different. I think they resent the shit out of it. I think, I think he is the personification of all these fads that they know they're going to outlive. That when all this shit, something's gonna. There's gonna be a new movement. We went from molecular gastronomy to this new kind of thing to blah 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 blah, and. In, a hundred years when all that shit, we're laughing about it. Is oh, look at that two thousand and early two thousand and teen food. Ha ha ha! Here's the new. Let's go back to a restaurant. Let's go back to Inc. Michael Valtaggio's restaurant. Remember this food, and we're gonna laugh about it the way we laughed about the Michael's food. These Italian chefs know. You know, you're, we're gonna bury you. You're gonna come oh, up. Yeah. You're gonna be the fad. You're gonna die. You're gonna have your stupid little trends, and we're still gonna have Parma. And we're still going to have prosciutto and we're still going to have parmesan. and you can aerate it. You can can shit it out as a turd. You can fucking do whatever it is that you think on the plate will make it interesting and we're still going to have it at its rawest forms and we're still going to do it better than any of you can.
3: Yeah, and they said it was devoid of love or passion. The dish fell flat. Um, they were they were hard. It's not you know. It's not. It. I don't feel bad in the sense that. Um, my, my, Brian Voltaggio has earned his standing here. He is one of the most acclaimed chefs in America, so I don't feel like getting a little bit undressed. By the way, he didn't go home, so it wasn't like they hated it so much that he was going to go home. I think the thing that that I think you're touching on is they almost they almost cut him to his core in terms of you're in Italy and whatever you are as a chef doesn't fly here. And it was kind of a an you know a real. This is one of those moments where Brian Votaggio is going to be up at night and thinking about even when he's a James Beard Award-winning chef, even though he has the top restaurants in the world. Like those are the moments that are going to stick with you, and he might win this whole damn thing. We don't know. But um, I just want to clarify. I
2: don't don't think it was a dick thing to say. Like I want these judges to come on the show and be unfiltered. I mean this is an entertainment product. Like I don't want them to hold their tongue. Um, but I really feel for Voltaggio. I thought it was yeah. a low blow, and I'm with you in the sense that, look, everything's subjective. But I do think trying to glean a chef's heart or passion, like Voltaggio, not everybody expresses passion in the same way, right? Like, right. like right. every, I don't want every writer in the world conveying passion the same way in their in their in their work. I don't want every artist conveying passion in the same way and like voltaggio and i thought his defense was really right. like that's my passion like he Mm -hmm. loves to take ingredients and do something you've never thought of before they don't particularly like to cook that way they want a certain level of creativity but they want the tradition present and i think that's just a difference of opinion but i did think it was a dick thing to say i'm not sorry they said it like i want them to say it if they feel it i just think it's kind of it's a little shitty but i get it
3: and I also enjoyed the fact that Brian Voltaggio, who's the king of the dad jokes, um, got to cut the cheese.
2: Oh, well, of course. Um, like <laughs> our inner nine-year-old celebrates uh, Brian Voltaggio. Uh, final, uh, the contestant and the contestant who went home, who uh, Tom, I believe we're going to have on uh, a special kind of a season in review slash uh, uh, chef's table with Kevin Gillespie. Yeah, week. we're
3: going to have Kevin this week um, in a standalone episode, so stay tuned for that. We're really excited to have Kevin on the show, and th- we'll we'll get into some of these things more uh, with him. But man, Kevin looked like he was having a
2: blast this episode, huh? Yeah, I mean – you know, as he said, pork on pork. It, he is, you know, he's not a, an <laughs> that's Italian his happy chef. place, right? Yeah. I mean, he's not an Italian chef, and I think when he's spooning the amount that he spooned on that on that first dish of Parmesan, I think tipped to the off that he's, this is not a home game for him. But I do think there is a rusticness to, and he's not a rustic chef per se, but I think there is a richness. And soulfulness to Italian food that speaks to him in a different language, but still is sort of his his mode of interpretation. And so, I do think it was very much a a thing he was excited about. Uh, And um,
3: the whole the the whole spooning the parmesan didn't strike me immediately as offensive, but boy, were they offended by that? They hated that whole spooning of the parmesan.
2: It was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, oh, I'm not a, I, mean God, I, I will never cook one thing in my life that's as good as a, a bad Kevin Gillespie meal. Like, you know, but it was a lot. Like I was sort of watching it even before they showed Tom's face, give it away. I was like, man, that's a lot of fucking Parmesan. Um, you <laughs> but know, I get
3: it. I get it. You're, 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 you've got the goods and you're going to give it to him in full. Like you don't want to – there's an old saying in golf that you never leave a winning putt short. You never leave it short. You always go long, and I think that's what he was doing there. Is if I have this thirty-six month uh, uh, parmesan here, I am gonna d- give them an extra dose just so that they know. I know that this is a, a, this is this is the good stuff, and he went over
2: the top. Right, he had kind of an, a tragic episode in the sense that he overemphasized the keynote ingredient in the first course and then he underemphasized it in the second course and i and i don't think it's a stretch to say if not for that spoon he might have been in the finale like it was very it was very close with voltagio who we actually never talked about his second dish he did this you know lovely voltagio-esque like Delicate bass with a squash and a pumpkin steed pesto and a sage brown butter and then like prosciutto and you know the pesto was a little flat and uh, you know the bass was a little underwhelming and uh, you know maybe there's a ceiling to fish I don't know in in this particular contest but uh, and then Kevin did the ravioli as you say in the fagioli the beans and the and the the raviolo uh, and then did a pork with apples and prosciutto but the prosciutto was kind of just apparently not not incorporated or integrated I, I the hated
3: dish. that critique. Kevin, I hated that critique of like you just How put come? the prosciutto on the because when you go to the master class of prosciutto and you ask them what sh- can you cook prosciutto and they like they basically like laser eye just just incinerate you for even suggesting that you cook prosciutto. And my thing is, yes, there's a lot of things I guess you could do with raw prosciutto or, or the cured prosciutto without cooking it. But I'm like, I'm going to give him a slide there. Is when you have the 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 experts of experts telling you, let the prosciutto shine on its own. Don't try to do anything cute with it. Don't try to cook it. Just let it shine. And he does put the prosciutto on there in in a in a classic way. Nothing revolutionary. I don't think you should be hammered for that. They just told you don't cook it. And they said, oh, you just kind of threw some prosciutto on there. I don't know. He also had pork, a pork roast there. So I do think there was an interplay on that level. The issue that he had was that it was dry. And I think that's more of a – a cooking problem is that obviously when he was when he was cooking it and slicing it, he loved it. He thought the cotebo was perfect, and he said as much. And then the judges said it was dry. So I think if you're going to send him home or, or critique him, I'd rather it just be about how he didn't cook the uh, pork prof- properly, rather than just like hey, he didn't do too much
2: with the prosciutto. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk to Kevin about that because you know. Uh- Meat is temperamental, and if you over-rest, I mean, it, it, it's almost like a bottle of wine in the sense that if you eat, let's say, a steak that's been resting for two minutes, it tastes different than the one that will rest for nine. Like, I mean, th- things still continue to cook, and I'm, I'm just curious to see. And I'm also – I always wonder with the show, and we've talked about it uh, vis-a-vis Restaurant Wars or whatever else, like is – I mean, look, the show's beautifully edited. I wonder, you know, did it did it rest longer than he would have otherwise? Was there a production – question you know because it's interesting i trust kevin if kevin looks in and says i nailed my pork or i just i just I, it was perfect and then the judges say it's tough like something I, i'm wondering what Did the, it sit the variable long? is yeah. right yeah. like is it hey wait we're not the, the previous contestants haven't gone i mean it, as somebody who worked on a reality show I, I tell you like the amount of time that can elapse between two ta- like the continuation of one scene is, is pretty remarkable and I, i'm just curious because it's just Kevin's a guy who knows meat, and if he thought it was perfect and they thought it was dry, something happened, and um, I'm just curious about it. I mean, Tom yeah. suggested that he seared one side too long, which can kind of fuck things up, uh, you know. But but I, I, I'm just I'm just curious about it.
3: Yeah, and I and I think if if Kevin watched this episode from home and got to see someone else go through that pork. Olympics there <laughs> like the 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 most epic pork uh, in the world things that have been just cured for 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 centuries or hanging up in that dank basement I I'd be so upset that I wouldn't be able to go because it's very clear that him as a southern chef um, who has done wonderful things with pork uh, or bacon or what have you in this in the show um, I would imagine he would be really really a major case of FOMO. So he got to go to this. Um, and it seemed like it was great magical elves moment where the editing, where they, they spliced in the little uh, Barry white, like uh, soft core porn music while he's eating the, the pork in the basement there. And he was just on another level. And I'm so glad that he got to experience it because it really, of all the chefs here, I felt like he would have enjoyed this experience the most, but when it comes down to the four dishes, I wrote. I don't know if you do this, Kevin. Right before they go to judges' table, I write down who I think is going home and who I think is going to win the episode. Just as like a, just to check myself to see if if I'm if I'm getting the right vibes. And I thought Kevin was going home right before the the judges' table. I thought Brian might have, but I, I wrote it down that Kevin I thought was going to go home.
2: Um, I thought it was going to be Veltagio just based on the fact that, you know, like Gail really praised the, the Fagioli and, you know, there was a Padma. Oh, I love that you did pork and apples. And, yep, and then yep. when, you know, when, when judges are basically saying this guy cooks with no passion and no heart, I think it's a pretty big indictment. Um, And, and so I just assumed it was Valtaggio. Uh, Eric, my Eric thought it was uh, Kevin, but um, anyway, yeah. I, uh, c- can we preview the fine, uh the finale for a few minutes? I just want to get your thoughts on, how you think it stacks up. I mean, give me your kind of finals preview.
3: Yeah. So we have three chefs last year. They did the three chefs thing previous years. They did two. Um, we're going to go into a finale with Melissa King on a fucking roll. Three wins. Not only that three wins in a row, she's won the quick fire twice in there. Um, Four episodes ago, she won the Quickfire. She won the Quickfire three episodes ago. And then two episodes ago, she was in the top three in the Quickfire. And she is just – I mean it, it's – we can't really say it enough that she is all-time great Top Chef contestant um, doing this on an all-star uh field. We're going to also get to see – um we're gonna see Michael Voltaggio apparently in this next in the finale, uh, via like FaceTime. He's gonna get some little help from his brother. Uh, Voltaggio is gonna be there, and Stephanie is gonna be there. when When we look at the standings, it really isn't close. Melissa has eighty one points this season with six victories and three Quick Fire wins. Um, the next highest score is Gregory. <laughs> Chef Greg was out last week, and he still is is far and away the second highest score so there's gillespie's gone at 47 greg is gone at 59 and here we have stephanie with 44 points and brian voltaggio at 42 um again not to belabor the whole padma announcement but um i think if stephanie wins it's going to be an upset if brian voltaggio wins it might be perceived as less so but melissa king it would be it would be really a big bummer if we didn't see Melissa come out on top on this one because she is she is the seventy three and nine Warriors. She won the regular, regular season. If she doesn't win this, it is going to feel wrong. You are going to look back at this season and just be like, "Yeah, I know the Cavs won it. I know Voltaggio won it, but this was really about Melissa."
2: Well, setting aside whatever forensics you and your friends have been doing with this <laughs> clip of Padma. Um, I just can't predict anybody other than Melissa winning. She's just been far and away the best contestant, um, far and away the best chef, frankly. Uh, she just fundamentally has a innate understanding of what we're doing here on this show. Uh, I, I always think about the finale. Usually there's a very wide berth. They get to kind of do what the hell they want to do.
3: Oh, um, wait, I, wait. Can I pause you for a second there? Yeah. Is that true? You said berth. What the hell was that pheasant b- pheasant bladder birth ravioli thing? What are you talking did about? you catch the the on the the? They did a pheasant ravioli, or they were eating um ravioli, and there was this bladder that they were cooking it in on the oh, last episode. Oh yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. no, the, the thing is like they it's, it's kind of they, yeah. <laughs> they cut it open, and it was just. It pooped out all these raviolis. I thought it was disgusting looking. I get the technique of it, but yeah. okay, that looks like a, a, a ravioli. I'd
2: never seen that until I went to Italy. It's it, it's it's pretty freaking weird. Oh, yes, cool. it's just like this, oh my, this, it,
3: it the, the pheasant bladder giving <laughs> yes. birth to ravioli. It was it was dis, it was I was, was like oh god, what the hell has just happened? Yeah. Uh, sorry, when you said birth, that's what I uh, in my head it would conjure it up.
2: Yeah, but yeah. You know, so continue. I mean, so think about it. now. Remind me again. Last season they eliminate the. The third chef midway through, or is it? Or, or did all three chefs go to the final? It's kind of
3: like a no. It's kind of like a quick fire. I think is like they do like a dish and a mousse or something. or What was it? Uh, I forget. Um, Eric Ajapong was uh, one of the three finalists along with Sarah and Kelsey. And um, what oh, happened? That was, that was I, his
2: tartar that went home, right?
3: Yes, okay. yes. And then he uh, and then he goes home. And then I think it's like a final cook off with the two chefs. Head on head on a particular dish, and I I, I remember remember it was the um, the Atlantic slave trade. Um, he had another dish that he had made, he had prepared, but he wasn't able to show it because he got kicked off already. So I think um, I think he like almost did like a dinner afterwards in DC where he, he did the full meal because right. he wasn't able to show the full meal. So I think in this episode, we're going to have a, a round, almost like a play-in to the finale and Voltaggio. Melissa King and Stephanie are going to be vying for the Top Chef All Stars. Right, the same
2: but, it, but it's still the four course meal. With it's pretty much limitless in its in its terms, right?
3: I I, I think so. Right, I think so.
2: You know, thinking about that, um, there's always a dessert course, and I think Stephanie can win the dessert course.
3: Mm-hmm. I think
2: she might be the best. Uh, pastry chef up among the three right so um so i'm I'm trying to think of like ways you can talk yourself into does melissa how can melissa not win here uh you know typically it's sort of it has been kind of hey here are the four courses who won each course if stephanie can win the dessert and win one of the other three she is a very good pasta maker you know maybe we're under uh, underrating her her chances here i mean again i i don't i do think and i i don't mean this is a knock i just think that that Melissa has uncommon creativity Voltaggio just has his technique allows him to go in a lot of different directions Uh, Stephanie by her own admission you know sometimes it doesn't you know, she's like, I have no idea what to do. i mean You've seen this in Quickfire a million times. Like, it just it takes her a little longer to right. cultivate an idea. Now, the good news is, is generally speaking, they have a full day, and it's you're not. This isn't a Quickfire, right? Like, this is you never do. You have more time and more leeway. Uh, but I'm curious to see what happens. Again, it's hard for me to make a rationale for anything other than Melissa, unless you're somebody again going back to the pad and thinking, oh, it sounds like she's talking to an underdog or whatever. But I, I just can't fathom anybody other than Melissa winning.
3: Yeah, I know. But the, the thing that Stephanie has going for her is that when she trips up, it's when it's a quick fire or something where she has to conceive a dish like, like that, like real quick. Like remember when she had to do the restaurant wars, she was all over the place and she ended up doing like a, a, a neighborhood pub. And she's like, yeah, I don't know what this is. I just couldn't think of anything. And this, she has – Several weeks, I think uh, at least a few weeks, to to understand where I'm going, and to study up on it. And I feel like Stephanie, by virtue of having all that homework done, and having these dishes in her head already lined up, I feel like that is going to be a, a a place of
2: advantage for her. Right. And it's fair to say, and we can ask Kevin this: that every chef who shows up at the finale has a menu that they came with. Now, yeah. it might. In terms of variation or maybe you were inspired by something in the previous week and eating around Italy, but but I think that typically uh, these chefs, with some possible exceptions, come saying, here's going to be my finale meal. I mean I imagine it's the first thing you ask yourself when you start getting close, which is, okay, final meal, top chef, four course, what are you making? And they all kind of have an answer. So to your point, yeah, Stephanie doesn't have to labor under this – you got ten minutes to feed the world and do yep. it with a blindfold with these seven ingredients go like what are you making? you know so maybe this does maybe she benefits the most from uh this I'm H- having asked. time yeah right now voltagio is again uh, he he has he has creations right like he is a creation guy, and I do think that the a finale does lend itself to sort of doing those sorts of aspirational dishes if you will and kevin
3: if i was going yeah. to the racetrack and i could bet on i'm taking the stephanie bet i am the odds she's probably a long shot i am taking the step you take bet. her that- at five to two um no okay do you take her at seven to two i would take her at like Eight to
2: one? No, no, was so four to one?
3: Ten, I would go to ten to one. I would take. I would take Stephanie, and then
2: I don't know. Would you take? No, you, know, you I, would not. I, so you're not. You wouldn't take her at six to one.
3: Oh, I.
2: For those okay, at home, t- I'm asking. I'm asking Tom to wager a hundred dollars to win six hundred.
3: I. I would. Yes. Okay. I would. Yeah. I think. I think Stephanie. Uh, I think in terms of the odds, I think Stephanie is the longest shot going into this. But Mm -hmm. given what we all know and what uh, Eric knows, um, is that she's going to come out on top based on a two-second clip.
2: All right. I'll give you another one, and then this will be the last one. Will you take Melissa at one to two? Uh, For those at home, I'm asking Tom to wager $200. To win, one hundred. words, mm, yes, he no. gets two hundred back. By the way, so yeah, um, you would not take Melissa at at, at, at one to two. You would. Uh, that's I, mean, a, I that's, don't that's, like underwater um, bets like that. Yeah. Um, would you take her at two to three? See, I'm going to take say, her at even money. Obviously, right? You take yeah. her at even money, don't you?
3: I'm. I'm gonna say yes. Okay. I would take that. So, so I think I think Melissa is far and away the favorite. I think Voltaggio is probably the second most likely by points. He's not. Um, Stephanie has two epis two two wins. Voltaggio has one with zero quick fires, which is remarkable. Um, but still, I think Voltaggio. The fact that he's been on this show twice already, he. I don't think he ever doubted that he was a, a top 10 contestant this season, whereas we know Stephanie did. Um, so I think Stephanie's probably the odds are she's the longest of the three. Yeah,
2: And, and again, I mean, I, I like, it's funny, Adrian who's one of my favorite contestants ever sort of embodies both Altagio and Stephanie. She she sort of had the trajectory st- Stephanie did, which is sort of building confidence over a season in which she wasn't, she didn't think of herself as, as a potential finale candidate or uh uh, and kind of started doing her best clicking at the end, but she also has great technique. And I do think technique can keep you in the game in a finale really strongly, uh, particularly with, again, the, the wide berth. Valtaggio, you know, we're all informed by this Padma click. Um, otherwise, I think Valtaggio is a really tough, tough out. And he's just... Again, it, there's a lot there. But again, I – it's like I'm talking myself into shit that I, I can't justify against a truth that to me is so much more evident to anybody paying attention, which is Melissa King is the best <laughs> chef in this competition and it hasn't been close. It hasn't. She's <laughs> lapping the field. So
3: any closing it's thoughts? That. Um, I think that's it. Um, I would actually – I would like Evan Funke. Is that the – same? I don't know if you watched Arrested Development. Um. Tobias Funke is a is a great character on yeah. the show. Um, Evan, Evan F- Funke or Funk Evan Funk, I don't know how you pronounce it. I would let I would read a book, an audio book, just of him reading. He, I don't know, the way he spoke at the, these dinners, I was like, you are just not only eloquent, but you just I just would like to listen to you on a podcast. So maybe he does have I should probably look this up. Um I also wanted just another thing that I uh, have in my notes here is 80 pounds of cheese was worth thousand dollars. Come talk to me when you have a three thousand dollar one pound thing, like yes, the Steve. the Tuscan Tuscan. Like you want to impress me? 80 pounds of cheese is getting you a thousand dollars. What about those beagles getting those uh those truffle little gold nuggets out there? So. Um, I I, I really enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed this season. Um, I'm really looking forward to Kevin Gillespie's interview on Monday. And uh, please, please everyone don't think that we're, we're, we're waiting until the finale. We have another episode coming before the finale. And yeah, I'm, I can't believe the show is, is wrapping up here. We're here at the finale and your team um, might have, I'm predicting you're gonna have the winner of Top Chef on your team, and I'm not. but I'm gonna
2: win in the fantasy stage. I think you're insane, and I think you're reading too much into, into <laughs> promotional. This is clips why we do to this, inform Kevin. your thinking. This All is right. why
3: we make a good team.
2: For Tom Happerstrow. this is Kevin Arnabitz and this is Pack your knives.